You're listening to The Haunting Hour, where we explore terrifying tales of real-life experiences with the supernatural, spooky urban legends, and audio horror stories from yours truly. So, prepare yourselves, friends. Let's begin our journey into madness. Today, we're going to listen to one of my short stories that I wrote. I think it's been about a year to two years, and this one is called My Family is Falling Apart. And let me just say, I know it's been a little while since I've done one of these, and I am very excited to be able to come back and do this again. What you can expect from the podcast are short stories just like this one, tales of real-life horror stories, and of course our beloved urban legends and folklore. Alright, so let's begin. Jenna, she pauses, her back turned to me. Her shoulders are drooped more than usual. Her frame is wispy. She's so light this time, it looks as if a large gust of wind could knock her down. She sighs and then turns around, leaning on the brick outside of the door. Her breathing is labored like she'd just run from the house. She had only dropped off our little girl in her bed and used the restroom. She was winded walking from the bathroom to the front door. Now I'm really worried. Are you taking your medication? I ask. Her features stay in that mask she wears when she can't talk about her feelings. It's smooth and lifeless. Yes, she answers, her tone taking on the same emotionless effect. A few seconds of silence pass before she makes eye contact with me. Her eyebrows raise as if to say, anything else? Jenna is every bit as stunning as the day we had promised each other forever. Her smooth, creamy skin hasn't changed and I've never seen her have a bad hair day. Her blonde hair has a slight wave to it and if you catch it in the sun, it has bits of red. Strawberry blonde. I think I overheard one of my friends call it. She always had one of those small frames, even after Karis was born. She just bounced back into her pre-maternity clothes. No problem. Even now, with her face lacking emotion, her beauty can't be hidden. It's always been a mystery to me how she stayed looking youthful all these years. She's pushing 40 and hasn't aged a day since we met. I don't mean in that emotional sort of way that a husband sees a wife. I mean, I've literally tried to find any sign of it and damned if I haven't found any. I know that's a thing men aren't supposed to notice or I guess be happy over, but it's just always struck me as odd. You know? Well, okay, I say wife. 
and still not used to this next part. She's going to leave, head back to her place near downtown. She got a job working at Baylor Hospital, which was both good and bad. It meant long hours and being on call at any time of the day. Why she chose to be a trauma surgeon, I'll never know. The horrors she must see, I can only imagine. The divorce finalized earlier this year. Ten years gone. I can't believe it. It's my worst nightmare. Karis mostly stays with me. We decided, given her mother's hectic schedule, it would be best that she have a stable environment for home and school. It wasn't traditional, but it worked. I can't remember wanting to be anything other than a husband and a father. It's my life goal. I don't really buy into that ball and chain nonsense. Never have. I've loved every step of the way. Well, except this part. Her face draws up into a tired smile. One of those forced one she gives all of her patients when she has just pulled an 18-hour shift. It isn't that she doesn't mean them, it's that her body starts to shut down, such as excessive emotions. I've seen this woman shut down in mid-cry with razor-sharp focus and attentiveness that would rival any politician. It's an amazing trait to have. I do envy her that. Without realizing what I'm doing, I place my hand on Jenna's shoulder. Hey, you alright? I feel her tense slightly, but she doesn't move from my grip. I'm tempted to hold her, but I do the gentlemanly thing and back away, clearing my throat. Jenna had made it very clear that things were done. No sense in putting myself through all of this a second time. She relaxes and slowly bobs her head up and down. Yeah, I'm fine. Just tired. She pauses and then adds, you know, with a new place and all. Moving and work has been so draining. I don't buy it. Not completely but I do know exhaustion when I see it. Listen, Jen, don't drive. If you need me to get you an Uber or drive you, let me know. I don't think you should be driving in that state. She bristles, her chin raising a degree. A bit of her stubbornness flares, and I'm reminded of the side of her that really turns me on. I know it's not an appropriate thought, so I quickly flip the switch in my brain. Whoa, man, shut it down. This venue is closed up for good, windows boarded. She must sense my hesitation or something in the way I look. Who would watch Karis? Her words are soft, inviting. It reminds me of simpler times. She's looking up at me with those big, doe eyes. I know she isn't doing it on purpose. I know when she's trying to seduce. This is different. 
Then, as quickly as it comes, she turns away and walks over to her small Honda Civic. I'll never understand why she doesn't buy something better. She's owned that car forever. She easily makes enough to drive anything she wants, yet she sticks with this tiny white car. My guess is she's probably saving for an early retirement. Can't say I blame her. My parents taught me well. I'd only need to put in another seven to 10 years at most, and I'd have enough to retire on, even if I live to be 150. After that, well, I guess I'm fucked. But I'll be old as hell and probably shitting myself, so, you know, who cares? She leans on the door for a moment, her hair picked up by the breeze. Tom, I, I just want you to know. She trails off, her brows pressed together, and she bites her lip. I want to be impatient with her, yell and scream, and demand to know what's going on. Problem is, I can't anymore. I'm no longer entitled to an answer, and it kills me inside. I've gone from anger to sorrow in seconds, depressing myself. What I want to say is, spit it out, God damn it. Instead, I smile and say, what is it, hon? Her eyes dart from the house to my face. No doubt looking back at Karis's window. I'm sorry, she whispers. Then she's gone, driving down the road and turning onto the main street. I stand there for a long time, long after the dust has settled and my neighbors have turned out their lights. All I wanted to be was a husband, a father. Why is that so hard? When do I get to see Mommy's new place? Karis asks. Her legs are dangling from the stool as she stuffs the waxy chocolate donuts into her mouth. I don't know why those things taste so good to kids. It's basically solidified fat and sugar. And the film on your teeth is the worst. I don't let her have them too often, but today was the first day back to school and I wanted her to have something comforting. Karis, much like myself at her age, is showing all the signs I did. She has bad anxiety. Yay, genetics. I can tell she's already dreading school, her face falling as I usher her along to finish her breakfast. I can't believe she starts third grade this year. Seems like yesterday I was chasing a bouncing, squealing kiddo running in her diapers. I frown as I check my watch. Jenna was supposed to be here 20 minutes ago. Normally, Jen would have Karis giggling and forget about her first day jitters, excitedly telling her how much fun she's going to have for the year. She was famously a few minutes late, but never this much. If she didn't get here soon, I'd have to leave without her. This wasn't like her at all. She always made time for Karis, especially on the first day of school. It was a tradition for all of us to walk with Karis hand in hand to class and wish her a good day. When 10 more minutes go by, I can't wait much longer. I text her one last time, 
hoping that maybe she had slept in, or that she would respond with an immediate apology, explaining herself. Then, a full five minutes go by, and then seven. This time, I really can't wait anymore. For the first time ever, Jenna will miss Karis's first day at school. I look over to Karis as she downs the last of her milk and smile. You ready, honey bunny? She grins ear to ear at the nickname and nods her head. I blow Karis a kiss from the hallway as she sits at her desk. She's already chatting with the girl across her and laughing. I recognize the girl from Karis's first grade class a few years back. Glad to see that Karis has already found a friend. Maybe it's true what they say. Kids are simple. They don't think about things as much as we do. She seems to be adjusting just fine in her new desk. All smiles and semi-toothless grins. I stare at her from the hall. She really is a spitting image of her mother. Except for her eyes. Her eyes are green like mine, and she's tall and lanky. Jenna and I would always joke about how Karis would be as tall as her in just a few years. It wasn't an exaggeration. Karis was easily going to reach six foot tall in her teens, and she would be strong, real strong. Every sport we'd put her in, she was number one on the team. I don't mean to brag, but in this case, she actually is a hard-working kiddo. Now, if she would just apply herself to more reading, we would be all set. I have never seen a kid that could melt to the floor the way she can when she has to sit at a table and focus on letters. $1,500 and a reading tutor took care of it this past summer. But damned if the girl wasn't stubborn about it. She took that from her daddy, too. I'd almost forgotten about Jenna's odd behavior as I walked out to my car. Then the rage hits me. How the hell does she promise to be here and never show? How could she do that to Karis? No call, not even a text. At this point, I'm not sure if I should be angry or worried. But in the end, the anger fizzles and worry creeps in. My mind switches back to her face last night and her words. I'm sorry. What was she apologizing about? Was it because she knew she wouldn't be able to make it this morning? If so, why didn't she just tell me? I pull my phone from my pocket. It vibrates and I get excited. Maybe this was her. I frown at the text message alerting me that my phone bill has gone through and nothing else. What the fuck is going on? I can't worry about it too much, so I head into work. I'm hopeful that in the next few hours she'll call or text before I really start to freak out. It's not too bad of a day and nearly 2.30 when I get the call. Mr. Holloway, the woman croaks. It's one of those smokers' voices, the stereotypical kind that you hear in cartoons. Yes, speaking. I respond. This is Leslie Smith from Hawthorne Elementary. I'm the school nurse, calling about Karis. The blood drains from my face. Is she okay? I ask. I stride across my office and then shut the door. She sighs on the other end, and then is silent for a moment. It's as if she's carefully weighing her words. Karis is 
fine. No cuts or bruises. It's more what happened that really concerns me, she says. Ma'am? I'm confused for a moment as to why I'm getting a phone call if Karis isn't hurt. Then my chest tightens. Did she harm someone else? I silently hope that this isn't true. It's the last thing I needed after today. Heavens no. That girl is as kind as they come. Never seen her get upset when she ought to. The nurse chuckles, despite her earlier reservations. Miss Smith? Mrs. Smith, she interrupts. I'm sorry, Mrs. Smith. If my daughter isn't harmed, and she hasn't harmed anyone, then what's the true nature of this call? I'm beginning to lose my patience. She's silent on the other end, again. But I can hear her shifting the phone. Look, maybe it isn't my place. Lord knows I've seen my fair share of problems. But Kara said something very strange today. Is everything okay at home? I tense up. So, she had been paying attention to what happened this morning. Well, normally her mother and I walk her in on the first day, and her mom never showed up. I feel the heat rising in my cheeks as I finish the sentence. It's awkward having to say it out loud. Well, now that's exactly what I mean. She sounds genuinely confused. I'm not following, I say, trying to get to her point. Mr. Holloway? She clears her throat and shifts on the other line. There's that odd crackling that comes with the landline. They must still be using one of the ancient ones. The ones with the cord that connects to the base. Karis was sent to me today because she asked the teacher if she and Mama could go to the restroom together. I'm still confused, and even more so now. You mean Jenna came up there? What's wrong with that? Relief floods my system, so she had finally got up there. The relief is quickly replaced with anger. Why hadn't she at least made an attempt to text or call me? I had been worried sick. The silence on the other end makes me rethink my assumption. Something is wrong. I don't know how I know it. Maybe something in the shifting of Mrs. Smith's size. I can hear her heavy breathing on the other end. My mind swims with the possibilities. But in the end, I just ask, what is it? The nurse finally speaks at my question. Mrs. Holloway never came in to see Karis today. As a matter of fact, Karis had been very cross with the staff and all of the other children are, frankly, afraid to go near her. During recess, she sat on a bench and talked to an invisible person next to her. The teacher, bless her soul, tried to give the girl the benefit of the doubt. First day jitters, you know, that sort of thing. But as the day had gone on, she still insisted on it. I sit quietly, soaking in what she had just told me. I know Karis might have been upset, but I didn't realize that she was this upset. I'm going to have to have a chat with her, see what's really going on. Finally, I say, Mrs. Smith, I know if this divorce is hard on me, it 
it's got to be harder on an eight-year-old. I slowly start warming to the thought. This isn't some abnormal thing. It's probably fairly common with children of divorcees. I hate thinking of that word. I hate that it applies to me. And I hate even more that it includes her. Another broken family, nothing new. Welcome to America. Suddenly my lunch turns sour in my stomach and I'm unsure if it will stay put. I put on my best reassuring voice, the kind I use with my own mother. Let me have a chat with her tonight and see what's really going on. I hear Miss Smith shift again and then a sigh. See that you do, Mr. Holloway. Dr. Norris thinks that transferring her to a different class would be helpful as well. Children can be quite judgmental, as I'm sure you know. It may be good for a fresh start. I bristle, but the anger gives away to weariness. She's right, as much as I hate to admit it. It would probably ease her into the school year. I nod before answering. I think that would be for the best. You have my permission. She's smiling as she says the next part. I can hear it in her voice. I think that's wise of you, Mr. Holloway. We need you to fill out a transfer file, but we can send it via email. Just be sure to sign it before tomorrow. Thank you, I say, quick to be done with this conversation. Of course, she says, then adds, and it's a real shame to hear about all your struggles. I hope it gets better for the two of you. I awkwardly mumble a thank you and then hang up. So that was part one of My Family is Falling Apart. I'll be finishing it here in the next two episodes and we'll also go over some urban legends and include some true tales. But thank you so much for joining me today and I will see you guys later.